Thank you for tuning into In the Fight with Bo Templin. Man, just got done recording this week's episode. Feel really good about it. Obviously, last week's was a dream. And to follow up last week's with another incredible one, man, this just doesn't get old. This week on the podcast, we have UFC legend, former UFC contender, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, UFC commentator, color analyst. He is one half of the Anik, or excuse me, the Anik and Florian podcast. This week on the show, Kenny Florian. We had a great conversation. It goes about 20 minutes long. We talk about some of the crazy fights that have happened so far in 2021. We also look ahead to some of the crazy fights that are booked for the next two months. Obviously, this week, Dana White announced Habib's official retirement. So we got some clarity here in the 155 UFC lightweight division and where it's going to go from here. We talk about Max Holloway's impressive performance from earlier this year. And, you know, for a guy who's got so much knowledge about the fight game, he understands it better than anyone else. It's unbelievable. Yet he's able to explain it in a really digestible, consumable way. He makes it easy for even idiots like me to understand it. So I'm appreciative. I'm grateful for the time. Kenny, thank you so much. Hope we can do this again. These 20 minutes were a lot of fun for me. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And here we are. So without further ado, this week on In the Fight with Bo Templin is Kenny Florian. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, March 22nd, is around 10.14 a.m. here in San Diego, California. Today on In the Fight, I am very excited to talk and speak with this guest. There's a lot of accolades. I could probably provide a Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu black belt. He is one half of the Anakin Florian podcast, which, by the way, I'm thinking we're going to have to workshop that to Florian and Anik podcast because <laughs> I don't I don't know how the the TV guy gets to go in front of the fighter himself we had we had uh John on our show last week we're gonna have to swap that around but that's funny today ladies and gentlemen on in the fight with Bo Templin I have former UFC super superstar UFC legend UFC commentator and color analyst Kenny Florian, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Uh, appreciate the intro, man. Happy to be here. Okay, so I'm glad we got off to a good start here with the the name of the podcast. How's uh, how is the podcast? Just like from a content creation side of things, not even fight related. Right. No, it's it's been going great. You know, honestly, you know, John really was the guy with the idea. He proposed this to me uh, many years ago, and then after some encouragement and. Uh, you know, discussions back and forth. We decided to, to do it. So really, it, it's John's baby, his idea. I'm glad we did it. Uh, I have no problems with Anik going first uh, <laughs> as far as name goes, of course. And we've been having a blast, man. You know, for a lot of these pre- and post-fight shows uh, that we used to do, you, you really don't have a whole lot of time to go into some of these fights with depth. And I think the podcast kind of provided both John and I a chance to kind of go into things a little bit deeper and kind of, especially kind of maybe a day or two removed from the fights, 
your perception of fights might be a little bit different for better or worse, but you know, you, you take things in a little bit better and you can have longer discussions in the podcast, which, which was, which has been great for both John and I. Well, I think you bring up a great point, uh, kind of two different routes here. We could go one, like look, Adesanya Blahovich, right? In the moment, it's a close fight. Right. Like to, to say either way, I, I have no problem if someone thought Anasanya edged them out or if you thought Blahovich won four sure. to one. I really don't have an issue with it. So going back, re-watching that fight, those are the exact kind of fights that we need to go back, re-watch. And honestly, I at times we can be hard on the judges, yeah. but that's a close fight, right? And if we Definitely. need multiple viewings to see it, it makes a little sense why at times judges kind of get different looks. Absolutely. We don't have that luxury. And, you know, I, I think we can kind of go in a little bit further and say, you know, these guys don't have the luxury of replays. They don't have the luxury of monitors where they're going to get the optimal angles or many of the optimal angles of the fight. These guys are in fixed positions on certain parts of the octagon where they may or may not be seeing everything. So um, th that's a difficult thing. You know, watching the fight in person, from a specific angle on the cage is very different than watching it on a TV monitor as well. So Kenny, you are like historically great at the fight IQ level of the sport and the sport itself is so young. It's so new, right? Like in the, in the scheme of history, in the scheme of sports history, basketball, baseball, American football has been, I mean, dec decades, if not centuries long histories, UFC, not exactly that way. Yeah. Do you ever have a hard time, like, explaining things at an elementary level? Because you, you have all these different thoughts going on in your head, whereas I feel like a lot of the consumers of the UFC or MMA in general, like, they're watching it on such a, a more basic level. Do you ever have a hard time kind of, like, dumbing it down for people like me? Oh, uh, no. I mean, listen, I, I think that um... – if you know it, if you truly know it well enough, you should be able to explain it uh, to anybody. That, that That's my feeling anyway. Some things are more complicated than other things, but if I'm not able to dumb it down in certain instances, it's probably uh, something on me more than it is on something on an audience member. Now, I should be able to see much more and see it on much deeper level, but as far as explaining it to things, I, I hope and my goal is always to be able to explain things on a level that anybody can understand. And I, I think um, that's kind of the goal for any analyst, um, commentator or instructor. Now, I kind of um, try to talk about more the technical side of things. I think a lot of commentators and you know people who are in the fight game explain the physical side of things. Um, you know, look how fast he is or, oh my gosh, he's so explosive. Now there's so much more going on, which I don't think is kind of given, um, credit to. Uh, uh, so I try to explain more that side of things to people if I can. Sure. Um, it's so interesting. I was talking about this with my dad the other day and we were just talking about like how fighters evolve or athletes just evolve in general. Uh, we were mm -hmm. talking about not even like the Jordan LeBron debate per se, but we were just saying that you know, generally athletes do get GSP brought it up. Athletes, they're they're gonna get faster, stronger, they're gonna perform better. And the athletes of yesterday aren't as good as the athletes of today, and the athletes of tomorrow will be better than today. But I also feel like your fight IQ is so, so high 
and you were fighting in a younger era of the sport, do you ever think like your game is suited better for today's MMA than it was maybe of like the MMA of old? Yeah, you know, I I think that, um, you know, for many aspects of highly technical sports, information is king. Uh, And I think it's the people and and a lot of different things, not just sports, but geez, business or anything. If you have information that other people just do not, that is a huge advantage. Now, as far as today's game being compared, I agree with some of what GSP says. Um, In theory, that's exactly what should happen. Do I feel that uh, overall the sport is improving? Sure. Um, But in some ways it's regressing. I I feel like um, people can get satisfied. And I think in a lot of different ways, we can get satisfied and think like, okay, we have it figured out. And, you know, I'm going to try to fight like this guy, or I'm going to fight like that guy. When reality, we, we need to consistently push the boundaries of what we know and what we think we know. Um, And I think, you know, looking at things from, you know, uh, their perspective of like first principles or, you know, trying to break it down and, and, and look at things from a different perspective, um, I, I think is something that a lot of fighters could could do today. I think we, you know, so many fighters look the same today. Um, I think that if you went back in my day, you could see very distinct styles that for better or worse. Doesn't necessarily make it better or anything like that. But I think in today's game, so many fighters are looking the same where, eh, you know, I think that there's no how do you do things differently or how do you separate yourself if you're just looking like everybody else? And I would argue that if you look at the very tippy top of the divisions, the Adesanya's, the, the Jan Bohovic, you know, um, you know, certain guys, let's say a Max Holloway, they're doing things a little bit differently than everybody else. And I think that's what's separating them. So again, the information, the creativity, pushing those boundaries is what's going to separate the elite from the okay. Uh, in regards to me, I guess, yeah, I, I I feel like, you know, I've evolved to the point where I, in theory, may, maybe my body, but maybe my mind would be fine in today's game. And I think I still feel like I look for ways to improve myself and look for ways to improve my fighters or the guys that I work with as much as possible. So you brought up, you know, Max Holloway, and this is something I kind of wanted to do with you. 2021 has been off to such I mean, really, the last 365 days for MMA and the UFC in general just, like, has been incredible for the sport. Mm -hmm. I would love to run through what has happened so far this year and just moments that stand out to you. And then look at maybe the next, like, month or two ahead because, like, after the last week, whether it's, like, the the Habib confirmed retirement and then we get our lightweight title bout. So let's start by looking at some of the early moments of this year. Um, Ones that stand out to me would be – Holloway's like no look punch, um, you know, the the most strikes ever recorded in a UFC fight. Yeah. Uh, McGregor, Poirier stands out to me, Chandler's KO over Hooker. So maybe just looking at like some of those and then uh, maybe Usman's uh, third round TKO finish over Gilbert Burns. Let's do it, man. Okay, so with the, the Max Holloway one, can he break that record again? Is that the most punches we will ever see in a UFC fight? I never thought it was possible to get even that high. So I'm clearly an idiot. Can it be done? I'm serious, Kenny. I don't think that's idiotic at all. I think a lot of people were pretty surprised by that statistic. Max Holloway is a guy who is 
pushing the boundaries and looking for ways to get better. And, you know, he's still young, of course, but why is it that we put these, you know, restrictions on, uh, on what we're capable of doing? I think that as soon as we do that and we say, Oh, this will never be beaten, you know, um, we're limiting ourselves. So I, I think a Max Holloway kind of guy, if there's someone who's going to break it, it's probably going to be someone like a Max Holloway. You know, the, the guy doesn't stop. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned Chandler earlier. He's another guy that really doesn't get tired and can really keep a, a very high volume count. But certainly Max Holloway is, is a guy that, um, you know, comes in tremendous shape. He's always ready for the most part, assuming there's no injuries. Um, and yeah, why not? Sure. I, I think what he did is mind boggling, but I do think that, um, it, it can be broken. You're, you're going to have to keep a pace that is insane, but Hey, I, I don't think a lot of people thought Max Holloway would be able to do what he did in his last fight. The other thing, and m- many people have brought this up, so I'm not the first to say this, but I do think it's important. You also need the right dance partner because not you many do. guys, not many guys are going to take that many blows, you know, a lot of props to Calvin for yeah. incredible durability and toughness. Uh, it, it's a salient point. Um, I think that Cal- Calvin Cater, unfortunately, suffers from a footwork issue. And, and mm-hmm. you know, everyone's talking about, you know, the, the output and all that stuff. Listen, if my, if, my, if my coach is holding pads for me and not moving at all, um, I, I could do an insane – punch count as well especially with a guy like max holloway who's extremely efficient um and you know so you need you need the right dancing partner unfortunately for cater it meant that he wasn't going to move very much and if you're not moving very much then you can hit that target repeatedly so absolutely you are correct you need the right dance partner um so all those things really synergize in that fight uh, with with holloway and cater so I'd love to look at the Michael Chandler side of things now. Um, obviously, incredible first performance with the UFC. Now, though, he's getting his title shot. Like, I don't know if we've ever seen someone get the title shot as quickly as he has, but yeah. his performance kind of proved it. What can people look at from his fight with Hooker that you think will translate over to a fight with Oliver, or should they completely kind of avoid it because every fight is different? I would say every fight is different. I, I think that um, it was a nice prep for Oliveira, who will be taller than Chandler. Uh, you know, Oliveira is pretty tall and lanky, may, perhaps not on the level of Daniel Hooker. But, um, you know, I, I think in that regard, things will be interesting. But Hooker does not have the submission skills uh, that uh, Oliveira has, and he certainly doesn't have the same kind of striking style. Uh, I think Oliveira has a very interesting striking style, more of a traditional Muay Thai background, it seems to me, than kind of a a stick-and-move style that Hooker has. So in some ways it favors Chandler, in some ways it does not, because Chandler also does a lot of his best work after getting a takedown. I'm not sure he's going to take that risk against someone like Oliveira. He may, but uh, Oliveira poses a lot of problems that Hooker did not. Chandler just happened to really take full advantage of the limelight when he came in in that spot against Hooker and made the most out of it. Uh, Chandler is a very marketable guy. He's a good-looking, you know, strong guy who also was a champion in another organization. So, you know, I I think because of Poirier and McGregor's history and the fact that both of those guys, it seems, wants the trilogy fight, uh, it really opened the door both for Oliveira and Chandler. You know, Oliveira was on a tremendous streak but didn't have the same quality of competition than, say, some of the other guys. So, 
it, it really was the perfect storm for both of those guys. And uh, I think we'll get a great fight because of it. Very, very exciting. The last one that I, I wanted, or actually, if, if you don't mind, I got two more for you. Sure. Something to look for that's going to be different in the second fight between uh, Masvidal and Usman. And then uh, to follow up after that, I would love to just, what can we expect from TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen? I, I'm really torn on that because I just don't know what TJ will look like. But I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those two fights. Differences. Uh, between fight one and fight two for Masvidal and Usman, and then the the Corey Sanhagen, what to look for almost in that first minute that could be telling for us from the TJ Dillashaw side of things. Sure. So I'll start with Usman and Masvidal. I think that, you know, I I, I hate, you know, talking about the late notice thing, but that's a real thing. You know, uh, Masvidal got that fight on short notice. And it doesn't take away from Usman's performance. But as far as Masvidal, I think Masvidal would have been way more active and way more aggressive had he had a full camp to prepare for that fight. Now, he was preparing for it at a certain point. But also, I think he probably ramped it back down and wasn't training when the fight was given to someone else. So taking the fight on short notice, dealing with the with the long flight uh, certainly has its effects on fighters. Okay, that That is just a very real thing. Usman was able to push the pace on Masvidal. Usman seemed to get better as the fight went on. Usman's such a strong wrestler that he really did a great job of taking Masvidal out of his game. But I think we would have seen a more aggressive Masvidal had he had more time to prepare. Um, he did a good job with his wrestling, but he didn't do a great job with his wrestling. But I think we saw Masvidal that was way more toned down and was less aggressive. And I think this time out, I think we'd probably see a more aggressive Masvidal coming forward. Now, that also opens you up to takedowns as well. So I'm really interested to see how that second fight goes down. But I think we'll see a more Masvidal, a more aggressive Masvidal in that fight against Usman in the rematch. Now, um, you know, in in, in the Sanhagen uh, fight, uh, now you, you want to break down the Sanhagen-Edgar fight? or oh, So really what I would like is um, just the question mark of TJ Dillashaw being gone so long. Sanhagen's yep. last performance was ridiculous and nuts. Yep. I want to know what's something we can look for in the first minute or first two minutes of that fight that will tell us what to expect from TJ Dillashaw. Well, you know, you never know how someone's going to come back uh, after being on a long layoff like TJ Dillashaw. Two things, and, and we just have to talk about it. Okay. First of all, how does he come back? How much training did he do? How sharp did he keep his mind and body? Uh, while he was away for those couple years. Number two, okay, um, when people are, are taking performance-enhancing drugs, you wonder about their mental state. Um, when they entered a fight, were they relying on their performance-enhancing drugs to give them confidence? Like, let's say if you are taking something like, um, uh, what, what was the thing that was helping him e with? EPO. EPO, okay, sorry, EPO. If you're taking something like EPO, which is going to give you clearly better conditioning, better better uh, anaerobic and aerobic conditioning, um, you can kind of rely on that to get you through a fight, knowing like, hey, I can go hard for 25 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is. Not having that for the first time, or I guess since him getting caught, what is that going to do for his approach in this fight is he going to keep that same pace that he's used to at 135 pounds is he going to be hesitant is he going to be questioning himself and his physicality 
in that fight against Sanhagen. And I think we'll probably see that perhaps on his face and in his body uh, in those first couple minutes. I'm I'm really I'm almost guaranteed I can almost guarantee this that the body reader or like the body language readers during the fight week, you know, the weigh-ins, they're gonna look oh his body looks blah blah blah. Oh he looks good, he looks bad. At the stare down, right. they're gonna talk about like, oh, he filled back up really well. Oh my god, he looks depleted. That's gonna be really interesting. My last yeah. question, then I'll let you go. Yeah. I'm always fascinated sure. by this because there are guys that do not make it to the UFC that are absolute killers and savages. You have been around the game a really long time. You've been around all facets of the game, really, for a really long time. Who is the best fighter that you know that the average Joe or average person does not know their name? Gotcha. Um, well, I'm going to be – I'll be blunt here. I'm pretty biased here because I do work with him. But Ryan Hall is one of those guys that may not be on the, the – you know, the radar for the majority of fans. Uh, and, you know, maybe for good reason. He hasn't been as active as some of the other guys, but he is uh, just a, a fighter that we just haven't seen a whole lot of his skills at this point. We've seen some of his skills, but um, I think he's a guy that if he was more active and, and he hopes to be this year, um, I, I think people are going to really get on the Ryan Hall train and, and see how just how good and how unique he is especially in that killer 145-pound division. So I think he's a guy that people uh, should be watching for, and, and hopefully uh, he gets healthy soon uh, and people get a chance to see him compete this year more often. Kenny, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate every single question, every single answer, all 20 minutes of these, even though I said I was only going to take 15. No uh, worries. Best of luck here with the big fights coming up. Best of luck with the podcast and the show. I hope to talk to you again really, really soon because I, I appreciate this a ton. My man, thanks so much. Yep, take care, Kenny. All right, well, that's a wrap on this week's episode of In the Fight with Bo Templin. Uh, I want to say thanks to Kenny Florian for the time uh, and the thoughtful answers. These people that I'm getting to talk to, they do hundreds of these interviews and you know, it would be so easy for them to just sleepwalk their way through these. And yet Kenny Florian doesn't, right? He's a UFC legend. He could be doing a million other things. And yet he's willing to listen to me, answer my questions, be thoughtful about them, and really, really try and explain things to me that in a way that makes sense. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We're going to try and keep them coming. No idea if we're going to be able to keep up with the crazy guests that we've been able to book so far, but that's the plan. Just try and bring it every single week. And we appreciate your guys' support. Just, it's all about you guys. If we want to grow this podcast, you know, I need to make sure that you guys are sharing it out with a friend. One friend, just because word of mouth is going to be the way that this podcast grows, gets better, gets bigger, gets faster. And that's what we want, but we're off to a killer start, so... More than anything, thank you to Kenny, and then thank you to you guys for tuning in. See you next week. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.